0: This last February, a rumor circulated on the internet that set diehard Disney fans into a frenzy. The word on the street was that the haunted mansion in Florida's Magic Kingdom was going to be permanently converted into a new Cocoa attraction. The rage was palpable. If true, there was a very real possibility that a Gaston-like mob would have put a stop to the proposed displacement of 999 grim grinning ghosts. It didn't take too long for the rumor to be dispelled, like so many other hoaxes that are often found on the disinformation highways of the World Wide Web. I and my fellow Disney park geeks breathed a sigh of relief. But I was also a bit disappointed. You see, I love Coco. And I certainly was not alone, as the 2017 Pixar entry scored a handsome 800 million plus globally. The downside, at least in the eyes of Disney CEO Bob Iger, was that the film was, quote, not a franchise, end quote. FYI, that's code for it not lending itself to multiple sequels and therefore less money. I truly hope that Disney doesn't limit their imagination for new e-ticket attractions to franchises at the expense of standalone films like Coco. For me, this movie felt like a truly special addition to the Disney-Pixar collection of stories, and both critics and audiences felt the same way. As such, I think that a Coco-themed dark ride is well-deserved as long as it doesn't require the death of a beloved attraction like the Haunted Mansion. That's where Disney California Adventure comes in. As I've covered in both a previous piece on the upcoming Marvel-themed land, along with another one I wrote on my ideas of a reimagined Hollywood backlot, the massive DCA course correction has opened up the best available space for new attractions. No Disney fanatics were going to riot over gutting the original disaster of a theme park as it launched in 2001. So in came the stunning Buena Vista Street, an incredibly immersive Cars Land, and a more subtle but effectively redesigned Grizzly Peak airfield, just to name a few examples from the world's greatest and most expensive extreme theme park makeover. So what other piece of real estate in DCA could be used for Cocoa? With Pixar Pier's launch last month and Marvel's claim on the soon-to-be-extinct Bugs Land and adjacent backstage area, There are three remaining areas of the park that could easily be repurposed without any shedding of tears. One I already mentioned, the Hollywood backlot. I just don't think that area is the best fit for Miguel and company. The other two are the Pacific Wharf District and the western half of Paradise Garden Park. The eastern half is where the Little Mermaid and the viewing area for the World of Color is. Of these two, I think that the Paradise Garden space is the ideal fit. Its location allows for a more subtle transition in the most secluded environment to, with proper design and sightlines, create a mini-land of sorts. This would require a demo of just about every ride and structure in that area. So say goodbye to the Golden Zephyr, Jumpin' Jellyfish, Goofy's Sky School, and the Silly Symphony Swings, along with the current food and beverage options. While I'll leave it to the professional Imagineers to iron out the details on this new cocoa-themed area, I'd like to share a few broad concepts to kickstart the conversation. First of all, Disney has already been warming up the place with their special Plaza de la Familia, which they rolled out last fall with the release of the film. This space should similarly include a robust schedule of highly interactive and family-friendly character meet-and-greets, arts and crafts, and live performances that draw upon both the unique musical, artistic, and storytelling expressions of Coco alongside the universal themes that it so brilliantly illustrated. The physical design needs to incorporate elements of Miguel and his family's village, including the residences, shoe shop, square, and cemetery. The cemetery would be on a rising hillside and serve as most of the ride queue. Ironically similar to the haunted mansion, this would lead to Ernesto's mausoleum, where parkgoers would enter in groups and be lowered in an elevator to the remainder of the indoor queue and ride itself. This would mean a significant amount of excavation. But with the Little Mermaid's queue and show building as an approximate footprint, there is plenty of space for such an attraction that leaves room for all the other amenities you would expect. As for the ride itself, it would transport guests to the land of the dead. Here there are so many story directions one could go in. Just re-watch the movie and let your imagination fly. As far as the platform, Imagineers could choose to employ anything from classic Disney dark ride systems to the more cutting-edge virtual reality simulations like Pandora's Avatar Flight of Passage. Perhaps switch out the banshees for the Alabricius? Last but not least, we need to talk about the food. Disney, please do your best to provide some ethnically faithful cuisine. Many of us who have not grown up in that culture have been woke by enjoying the real deal, in contrast to Taco Bell and Tex-Mex. So for those of us who have come to love Mexican food, along with those for whom it is an important part of their heritage, we are going to need something better than a cheap quick-serve knockoff. We know you can do it. Think traditional recipes and methods of preparation like you do with the candy on Main Street. So there you have it, Armchair Imagineers. Do you think Coco should come to California Adventure? If so, what do you like about my ideas? Or what would you do differently? I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. Remember that you can do that on the original blog article in the comments section. Thank you for listening to this podcast, and remember that you can check out more of my takes on faith, social justice, and pop culture along with other life-inspired musings by visiting www.curtelewis.com. If you enjoyed and benefited from this and other publications featured on my website, would you take a few minutes to show your support? First, you can share it with your friends via social media, text message, email, word of mouth, pigeon bird, cave art, whichever you prefer. Second, if you're listening on iTunes, take a few seconds to subscribe to this podcast and to give it a positive review. Lastly, you can help me to continue to produce these podcasts by making a monthly or one-time financial contribution. Click on support on the website to learn more. Again, thanks so much for listening.